Section four of the Adventures of Odysseus. This LibriVox recording is in the public domain. Recording by Elizabeth Clett. The Adventures of Odysseus and the Tale of Troy by Park Colum. Part one. Chapter five. Telemachus went apart, and going by himself, came to the shore of the sea. He dipped his hands into the sea water and prayed, saying, O goddess Athena, you who did come to my father's hall yesterday, I have tried to do as you bade me, but still the wooers of my mother hinder me from taking ship to seek tidings of my father. He spoke in prayer, and then he saw one who had the likeness of the old man Mentor coming towards him. But by the grey, clear, wonderfully shining eyes he knew that the figure was none other than the goddess Athena. Telemachus, said she, if you have indeed one drop of your father's blood in you, or one portion of his spirit, if you are as he was, one ready to fulfil both word and work, your voyage shall not be in vain. If you are different from what he was, I have no hope that you will accomplish your desire. But I have seen in you something of the wisdom and the courage of Odysseus. Hear my counsel, then, and do as I direct you. Go back to your father's house, and be with the wooers for a time, and get together corn and barley-flour and wine in jars. And while you are doing all this, I will gather together a crew for your ship. There are many ships in sea-girt Ithaca, and I shall choose the best for you, and we will rig her quickly and launch her on the wide deep. When Telemachus heard her counsel, he tarried no more, but went back to the house and stood amongst the wooers, and when he had spoken with them, he went down into the treasure-vault. It was a spacious room filled with gold and bronze and chests of raiment and casks of wine. The doors of that vault were closed night and day, and Eurycleia, the dame who had been the nurse of Telemachus when he was little, guarded the place. She came to him, and he spoke to her. My nurse, said he, none but yourself must know what I would do now, and you must swear not to speak of it to my lady mother until twelve days from this. Fill twelve jars with wine for me now, and pour twelve measures of barley meal into well-sown skins. Leave them all together for me, and when my mother goes into the upper chamber I shall have them carried away. Lo, nurse, I go to Pylos and to Sparta to seek tidings from Nestor and Menelaus of Odysseus, my father. When she heard him say this, the nurse Eurycleia lamented. "'Ah, wherefore, dear child,' she cried, "'has such a thought risen in your mind? How could you fare over wide seas and through strange lands, you who were never from your home? Stay here where you are well beloved.' As for your father, he has long since perished among strangers. Why should you put yourself in danger to find out that he is no more? Nay, do not go, Telemachus, my fosterling, but stay in your own house and in your own well-beloved country." Telemachus said, "'Dear nurse, it has been shown to me that I should go by a goddess. Is not that enough for you and for me? Now make all ready for me as I have asked you and swear to me that you will say nothing of it to my mother until twelve days from this, or until she shall miss me herself." Having sworn as he asked her, the nurse Eurycleia drew the wine into jars and put the barley meal into the well-sown skins. Telemachus left the vault and went back again into the hall. 
He sat with the wooers and listened to the minstrel Phemius sing about the going forth of Odysseus to the wars of Troy. And while these things were happening, the goddess Athena went through the town in the likeness of Telemachus. She went to this youth and that youth, and told them of the voyage, and asked them to make ready and go down to the beach where the boat would be. And then she went to a man called Noamon, and begged him for a swift ship, and Noamon gave it her. When the sun sank, and when the ways were darkened, Athena dragged the ship to where it should be launched, and brought the tackling to it. The youths whom Athena had summoned, they were all of the age of Telemachus, came, and Athena aroused them with talk of the voyage. And when the ship was ready, she went to the house of Odysseus. Upon the wooers who were still in the hall, she caused sleep to fall. They laid their heads upon the tables and slumbered beside the wine-cups. But Athena sent a whisper through the hall, and Telemachus heard, and he rose up and came to where she stood. Now she had on the likeness of old Mentor, the friend of his father Odysseus. "'Come,' said she, "'your friends are already at the oars. We must not delay them.' But some of the youths had come with the one whom they thought was old Mentor. They carried with Telemachus the skins of corn and the casks of wine. They came to the ship, and Telemachus with a cheer climbed into it. Then the youths loosed the ropes and sat down at the benches to pull the oars, and Athena, in the likeness of old Mentor, sat at the helm. And now they set up the mast of pine, and they made it fast with forestays, and they hauled up the sails with ropes of twisted oxhide. And a wind came and filled out the sails, and the youths pulled at the oars, and the ship dashed away. All night long Telemachus and his friends sat at the oars and under the sails, and felt the ship bearing them swiftly onward through the dark water. Phemius the minstrel was with them, and as the night went by, he sang to them of Troy, and of the heroes that had waged war against it. CHAPTER Six. Troy, the minstrel sang, was the greatest of the cities of men. It had been built when the demigods walked the earth. Its walls were so strong and so high that enemies could not break nor scale them. Troy had high towers and great gates. In its citadels there were strong men well armed, and in its treasuries there were stores of gold and silver. And the king of Troy was Priam. He was old now, but he had sons that were good captains. The chief of them all was Hector. Hector, the minstrel sang, was a match for any warrior the nations could send against Troy. Because he was noble and generous as well as brave, the people were devoted to him. And Hector, Priam's son, was commander in the city. But Priam had another son who was not counted among the captains. Paris was his name. Now when Paris was in his infancy, a soothsayer told King Priam that he would bring trouble upon Troy. Then King Priam had sent the child away from the city. Paris was reared amongst country people, and when he was a youth he herded sheep. Then the minstrel sang of Peleus, the king of Phythia, and of his marriage to the river-nymph Thetis. All the gods and goddesses came to their wedding-feast. Only one of the immortals was not invited, Eris, who was discord. She came, however. At the games that followed the wedding-feast, she threw a golden apple amongst the guests, and on the apple was written, For the fairest. Each of the three goddesses who was there wished to be known as the fairest, and each claimed the golden apple. Aphrodite, who inspired love, 
Athena who gave wisdom, and Hera who was the wife of Zeus, the greatest of the gods. But no one at the wedding would judge between the goddesses, and say which was the fairest. And then the shepherd Paris came by, and him the guests asked to give judgment. Said Hera to Paris, Award the apple to me, and I will give you a great kingship. Said Athena, Award the golden apple to me, and I will make you the wisest of men. And Aphrodite came to him and whispered, Paris, dear Paris, let me be called the fairest, and I will make you beautiful, and the fairest woman in the world will be your wife. Paris looked on Aphrodite, and in his eyes she was the fairest. To her he gave the golden apple, and ever afterward she was his friend. But Hera and Athena departed from the company in wrath. The minstrel sang how Paris went back to his father's city, and was made a prince of Troy. Through the favour of Aphrodite he was the most beautiful of youths. Then Paris went out of the city again. Sent by his father he went to Tyre, and coming back to Troy from Tyre he went through Greece. Now the fairest woman in the world was in Greece. She was Helen, and she was married to King Menelaus. Paris saw her and loved her for her beauty, and Aphrodite inspired Helen to fall in love with Paris. He stole her from the house of Menelaus and brought her into Troy. King Menelaus sent to Troy and demanded that his wife be given back to him. But the people of Troy, thinking no king in the world could shake them, and wanting to boast that the fairest woman in the world was in their city, were not willing that Menelaus be given back his wife. Priam and his son Hector knew that a wrong had been done, and knew that Helen and all that she had brought with her should be given back. But in the council there were vain men who went against the word of Priam and Hector, declaring that for no little king of Greece would they give up Helen, the fairest woman in all the world. Then the minstrel sang of Agamemnon. He was king of rich Mycenae, and his name was so high and his deeds were so renowned that all the kings of Greece looked to him. Now Agamemnon, seeing Menelaus, his brother, flouted by the Trojans, vowed to injure Troy, and he spoke to the kings and princes of Greece, saying that if they all united their strength they would be able to take the great city of Troy and avenge the slight put upon Menelaus, and win great glory and riches for themselves. And when they had come together and had taken note of their strength, the kings and princes of Greece thought well of the word of Agamemnon and were eager to make war upon Troy. They bound themselves by a vow to take the city. Then Agamemnon sent messages to the heroes whose lands were far away, to Odysseus and to Achilles, who was the son of Peleus and Thetis, bidding them also enter the war. In two years the ships of all the kings and princes were gathered into Aulis, and the Greeks, with their leaders, Agamemnon, Aias, Diomedes, Nestor, Idomeneus, Achilles and Odysseus, sailed for the coast of Troy. One hero after another subdued the cities and nations that were the allies of the Trojans, but Troy they did not take. And the minstrel sang to Telemachus and his fellow voyagers how year after year went by, and how the host of Greeks still remained between their ships and the walls of the city, and how in the ninth year there came a plague that smote with death more men than the Trojans killed. So the ship went on through the dark water, very swiftly, with the goddess Athena, in the likeness of old Mentor, guiding it, 
and with the youths listening to the song that Phemius the minstrel sang. End of part four.